0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history,
1: politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio
0: Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. On last week's show, we spent more than the usual allotment of time on a couple of well, we thought pretty interesting interviews. It was well worth the time, we, we, uh, we think, to have uh, spent with Scott Stossel talking about uh, Sergeant Shriver as well as Kevin Cook discussing the immortal Titanic Thompson. We'll go a little lighter on the biography today and, uh, and, frankly, do a bit of catching up. We hope in the next week or two to bring you UC Davis Professor Charles Bamford to talk about beer, a subject of interest to, I think, to most of us. Although for reasons not yet clear, Mr. McMillan never touches the stuff. What's the matter with scotch? Well, nothing as far as I know, but we're going to talk about beer, okay? But I think we should continue our long tradition on this program of beginning with on this date in history. The date in question is the 3rd of February. Yesterday, of course, was the 2nd of February, also known as Groundhog Day. People sort of forget that uh, that date represents the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And uh, from this point on, of course, the days get uh, rapidly much longer, no matter what that brown hog does in Pennsylvania. It was on February 3rd in 1749 that Sicily, in order to restore flagging trade, invited Jews to return after having banned them for nearly 300 years. This correspondent is guessing that improved trade, but I, I don't have any data on that. On February 3rd in 1815, the world's first commercial cheese factory was established in Switzerland. And we also don't know whether that (laughs) manufactured the the cheese with all the holes in it, which we think of as Swiss cheese. By the way, a bit of trivia from food science back in my college days. It's a certain type of bacteria, propionic acid bacteria that makes the uh, familiar holy Swiss cheese. There's apparently enough propionic acid in, in a one ounce block of that cheese to preserve something like 50 loaves of bread. So not all preservatives are bad. Today's date is a red-letter day in anthropology. It was on February 3rd in 1925 that the Australian anthropologist Raymond Dart announced the discovery in South Africa of the first, quote, missing link, unquote, fossil. That was the skull of an Australopithecus africanus. Missing link is somewhat of a misleading term only used these days by creationists. But uh, make no mistake about it, Raymond Dart's discovery was pretty revolutionary. The Australopithecus, which he named, had a surprisingly small brain. And finally, on February 3rd, and by the way, February has two R's, and both are pronounced. In the year 1966, on this date, the Soviet Union achieved the first controlled lunar landing when the unmanned Luna 9 touched down on the Ocean of Storms. That was probably one of the last great space firsts of the Soviet Union. But uh, you got to give credit where credit is due. Their space program amassed quite a few of them. Starting with being the first nation to orbit the Earth with a satellite, with Sputnik in 1957. You know, we probably also want to mention that on February 3rd in 1953, the French oceanographer Jacques Cousteau published The Silent World, his most famous and lasting book, which allows me to make our quote of the day, one from Jacques-Yves Cousteau himself, which is, From birth, man carries the weight of gravity on his shoulders. He is bolted to earth, but man has only to sink beneath the surface, and he is free. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there remember those National Geographic specials hosted by Jacques Cousteau. He had a, a certain style, let's say. As Falco propels the diving saucer, The men know that at any moment, their Azure Cave could become an icy tomb. Our quip of the day comes from Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, Happiness is not a goal. It is a byproduct. Well said. Our uh, joke of the day comes from the book, Plato and Platypus Walk into a Bar, subtitled Understanding Philosophy Through Jokes. The section on theological distinctions included the following. Jews don't recognize Jesus. Protestants don't recognize the Pope. And Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. Our stat of the day, the world's four richest citizens. That would be Carlos Slim of Mexico, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett of America and Mukesh Ambani of I'm not sure where control more wealth than the world's 57 poorest countries. And if you know who Mukesh Ambani is, please drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. I suspect he must be the Sultan of Brunei, but I'm not sure. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. was a good week a few weeks back for the relations between animals and people when it was revealed that Dick Van Dyke claimed that a pod of porpoises saved him from drowning. Yes, not so long ago, the 84-year-old former TV actor said that on a beach vacation in Virginia, he dozed off on his surfboard and woke up out of the sight of land when reportedly a number of fins broke the surface and the water around him, according to Van Dyke, was filled with porpoises, which pushed him all the way to shore. Can't vouch for the story. We, we do know that Dick Van Dyke was uh, fond of hitting the sauce, as comedian Jonathan Winters used to say. All right, it was kind of a bad week a few weeks back for the relations between animals and people. When officials at a German zoo had to come forth and defend their decision to separate a pair of gay male vultures so that one of them can be mated with a female... As this story goes, the vultures, both 14, have been nesting together for the past few months, according to zookeepers, and gay rights groups now say the pair should be allowed to continue their relationship. But uh, zoo curator Dick Vevers said the zoo is in dire need of baby vultures, and the two males, quote, weren't happy as a gay couple anyway. The other vultures picked on them and stole their nest materials, unquote. Neo-parallax you know, has no official editorial comment to make about this story. We think that one might be just a little too controversial. And finally, it was apparently an ugly week for the relations between animals and humans when apparently pranksters at the lawless website 4chan did turned a jolly cartoon bear into a mascot for pedophilia. Yes, apparently uh, these wags photoshopped pedo-bear into various squeamish settings, a nursery, a child's bathtub, etc., and apparently got taken seriously by some people. Apparently, uh, authorities right here in California uh, issued a warning about the pedo-bear menace. And in addition, it was an ugly week last week for brotherly love, after Alabama Governor Robert Bentley said in his inaugural address that, quote, Anyone here today who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, you're not my brother, and you're not my sister. Apparently, as a kind of olive branch to non-Christians, Bentley added, I want to be your brother. But evidently, in his mind, that's up to the rest of us. All right, at this point in the show, we usually do a lot of smart-ass stuff. We're going to take a break from that to 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 cover a breaking story, or I guess a broken story, I don't know how you want to look at this, that's taking place down in San Francisco. The radio station at the University of San Francisco was sold and taken over in a rather abrupt fashion, and we have uh, on the line the DJ who was there when it happened, who has a very interesting story to tell about it, and I'd like to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Howard Ryan. Hey,
1: thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me down there. Um, I can still be a smartass if it keeps in line with
0: the rest <laughs> Well, actually, of the we encourage that, so uh, full <laughs> speed ahead.
1: Here we go. Um, yeah, abrupt is... Uh, is is a pretty gentle way of putting it i just uh you know went down to the station uh, like any other tuesday morning grabbed all my records from uh my stacks at home and did a little um a little research to uh you know find a few birthdays we usually do on my show try to celebrate some birthdays that fall through the cracks and, right. and see where the playlist goes that way it was bobby goldsboro's birthday that morning so uh i grabbed one of his old 45s from my stack and i thought we'd celebrate his 70th birthday with a song and i grabbed uh Vangelis record to play underneath me at the breaks, and you know, before I even left the house, before I knew what the rest of the day was going to present, um, it already looked like it was going to be another emotionally charged radio show. And um, went down there, did my show for the, like the first forty-five minutes, um, just business as usual, pretty much. I had uh, invited the Pickpocket Ensemble, uh, local cafe music, uh, kind of a jazzy group, um, to play live in the second hour of my show and um, talk about their new CD that just came out recently, and their tour, and all this other kind of stuff, and kept telling people all morning long, stay tuned, in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll have the Pickpocket Ensemble live in Studio B. So, uh, about 10 to about ten to 9, uh, in that first hour of Radio Drome, I uh, back announced that last set of music, including the Bobby Goldsboro song, and I'm speaking over the top of this gorgeous, just drenched in emotion, uh, the apocalypse des Animaux from Vangelis Papathianou's 1973 record and I uh, and told people to stay tuned you know at the top of the hour I usually do this joyful noise segment which includes you know speaking of us being a smartass I've got a lot of <laughs> funny religious records at home and usually at the top of the 10 o'clock hour I play our um Uh, making a joyful noise unto the Lord for over 30 years, KUSF (laughs) San Francisco. And then we go into, like, I think that morning was going to be Tennessee Ernie Ford singing The Old Rugged Cross followed with some Boris. I like it. Um, But it didn't quite get there because as I pod down and tell people to stay tuned for these things that are coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, I get a tap on my shoulder from the program director. She's standing in the doorway, not in the studio, but she's standing in the doorway and she asks me to uh, step outside, which I find later is like... um, that's protocol, right? Like, ask the DJ to leave the studio <laughs> so that, you know, uh-huh. so that all the ammunition is behind him, so right. so forth. Um, so I get up, and I knew right away at that point that something's kind of fishy. Tristan and I have been very good friends, and if she has something to tell me, she just comes in the studio. I'm totally cool with that. Right. So I took off my headphones, and I'm a little like uh, deer in the headlights. I have a feeling something's going on, and time's starting to slow down when these crazy things happen in our lives, and I go to the doorway and she starts crying and she says, "This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do." We sold the station this morning and I have to turn the transmitter off. Which that's how I found out about it. Um, Literally, the I don't know the last person to know or the first person to know. I guess probably the first person, as far as like before the listeners knew and the rest of my DJs knew and fellow DJs knew. And um, still, like you know, this is eight days later and I've told this story probably a thousand times. It still just has this powerful. Effect on my emotions, where my hands start shaking, and I'm just in disbelief. Still, like all this, uh, all this time later, still can't believe it. And I turn to the around the corner, and I see some people from the university that are already ready to like calm me down. Like, no, don't worry, everything's gonna stay the same. We're just going to online. It's just a, it's just a frequency. Everything's gonna stay the same, you know. And
0: sure. Yeah.
1: And uh, and you know we know know that to be you know incredibly false. They're yeah. hoping this is just going to be, or their plan is not hoping. They think they think they have full control of the situation. They're going to make it a student-only radio station. They don't want the community involved at all. They don't want these cultural programs involved at all. And uh, and they just want to be an online-only student, completely student-run station.
0: Well, as as one of your fellow, uh, you know, community-based stations here at KDVS, and the show's also heard in KZFR and Chico, I think that uh, we're all pretty appalled at the notion of a uh, community-based uh, station being yanked off the airwaves like this. So the question yeah. is, why the hell was this happening? Did the university decide it was uh, a, too valuable a commodity to pass up on, or what, what's the real story?
1: Well, the real story, is we're still trying to uncover. It's all confusing from however you look at it, right? Like... Um, Father says that it is about money. That 3.7 million dollars is, you know, is a big benefit to these, to this, to the students and the university, and it'd be a way to, like, get our online presence more. We've been fighting for years to get a, more of an online, uh, what's the word, bandwidth. You know, I don't even understand the online radio thing. Yeah. I can talk in terms of frequency and stuff right. like that, but it's like, um, yeah, so for years we've been wanting to be able to get to that next level of uh, bandwidth, right, where we can handle more than 80 listeners, and they've been refusing that, and they've been refusing that, right? But now their big crux is with $3.75 million, we can increase this bandwidth and get thousands of listeners and really become the radio station that You know, we want to be. This is double talk. They're not make any. And the thing that doesn't make sense at all to many of us is that if it was really about the money, why would you take the first really small offer that came across your desk? Right. Now, if it was really about money, why wouldn't you do a little research and realize that this signal is probably worth two, three times that amount of money, and get the most out of this frequency that you can? If you're going to sell out, now's the time to really make all the money you can on it. So. So the secrecy and the way that they didn't reach out to the to the community to find out, you know, that if, you know, this right of first refusal is something that we're holding fast to, we should be the ones that should have the first option to buy this radio station. We would have gladly raised enough money to make that $3.75 million seem pretty small probably, right? So mm-hmm. so if they're doing it about money, they did it stupid. If it's not about money, if it's about getting the community off campus, well, you know, you'll see the backlash for that because... Uh, the response has been overwhelming. That next day, we had a town hall meeting that um, went from an informational meeting was gonna be in a small room with a PR person to a presentation theater with uh, a balcony and a 500 seat capacity that was still overflowing the room. And we demanded the president be there and he finally just dis- acquiesced and decided to be there and took a, took a beating from the crowd, a real beating from the crowd, but he still was you know, real sly, sidestepping questions like a politician. And, yeah. Uh, and just not keeping, you know, a big, my big thing is, I mean, you're calling me here, calling me back here just so we could talk on a landline at my worker-owned bakery here in San Francisco, which is based on the Jesuit ideals of this priest in the Basque region of Spain that in the early part of the century organized all these exploited workers and grew to be the largest group of worker-owners in the entire world, like yeah. this group, the Madrigan Collective in Spain is so big, they have their own bank, right? So, I mean, the Jesuits have done really extraordinary work. You know, I'm not talking about the colonization of South America. There's plenty of things that they should be totally, completely ashamed of. Right, right. But, you know, their ideas of community and taking care of people and honesty are really pretty cool things for Catholics, right? And so, you know, I called him on that that day, and I was just like, "How does this keep in line with your with your Jesuit ideals?" And he's like, "Well, our service to the students is about no, Father." And I just yeah. cut him out right out. knees. The- I'm not talking about your students. I know you're dedicated to your students. We're dedicated to your students. I want to know how this doesn't make you a hypocrite. There's so much hypocrisy and uh, yeah, half truths being told. And-
0: it sure sounds like it. I I hope that as this story evolves over the next week or two, you can come back on and give us an update because I think that. Uh, it's just not something you want to see. Do you know? Do you know what the format will be in the future? I,
1: well, we don't know immediately uh-huh. right now. There's a meeting tonight about this. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, I imagine they're going to be like a CMJ college radio station. You know, good or bad. I mean, I like some college rock. <laughs> some of it, right? I mean, that can be that can be you know what maybe what a lot of the students are interested in and want to build, and that could be you know that could maybe be a good opportunity for them. The fact is, is that, you know, as a new music department at this radio station, uh, we spearheaded a lot of, I don't want to say movements or whatever, but we broke a lot of bands, and we weren't just about like, you know, the Decemberists and Beck like that, as much as we do like some of that stuff. The the far-reaching breadth of a free-form college radio station has a huge impact on the music industry, on the touring industry, and the touring economy of these bands that don't otherwise seem to have a voice. And I said this at the Board of Supervisors meeting yesterday. This isn't really even about the music. And it's not even really so much about the cultural programs that outside of the new music department are being taken up There, I mean, we've got Chinese Star Radio, a Cantonese language Chinese program that's News program that's done every day, Monday through Friday, and and eight, ten other languages—Turkish and French and Armenian—being spoken every day at this radio station. Right, so that's that's what's really at at, um, at risk here is losing this frequency, so that there is no public access um, to the airwaves. And these airwaves are getting sh- shrinking, smaller and smaller and smaller. And the corporatization of the low end of the dial is is not at all what the intention was when those stations were opened up nearly, what, like a century ago now. The voice of the few is going to totally drown out the, the many. And that's one of the, one of the biggest reasons that KSF and stations like KSF need to stay on the air because uh, these communities need to have a voice, especially in San Francisco. I mean, this is an international community, and the Chinese-American community here is huge. And they don't really have access to uh, Cantonese programming. And KSF filled that gamut. It was just, um, it's despicable.
0: We're trying to stand with you on this and see what can be done, if anything, or certainly at least, uh, you know, um, get the story out there because we don't want to see this thing happen anywhere else. And I know, I know, uh, Howard, we're not on um, Radio Parallax isn't the only one covering this. A lot of other DJs here at uh, at, at KDVS are interested and in talking to some other folks, okay. and uh, we'll continue to do that. So try and come back in a, maybe two or three weeks.
1: Absolutely, Doug. We really appreciate your support. One of the, one of the shining uh, spots of my day every day is uh, the non-competitive nature of all these other radio stations throughout the country coming on, and not only showing our support, but um, doing interviews on the air. And like I said, if you guys have a PSA running for this, it's just like the most touching thing I've heard all day. That's really, really amazing. Continue to do the good work. we fight for everybody, not just KUSF. All
0: right, Howard, to be continued. All right, thanks, Doug. Appreciate Keep your time. Hang in there. You too, man. Okay, bye-bye. Ciao. And speaking of independent voices, it might be time to hear from America's foremost political comic, Mr. Will Durst.
2: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few words about what some people might call a Second Amendment solution. I'm talking about the shooting of 20 people at a Tucson Safeway a subject that lends itself to humor like an anvil to a pony ride. The sad part is folks have gone crazy using this tragedy as a political tool. The left is screaming about rhetorical chickens coming home to roost, while the right is claiming that anybody who criticizes hate speech is engaging in hate speech, an impressive example of circular logic. But the only thing we've learned for sure is that Sarah Palin really, really needs a Jewish speechwriter. The woman has the sensitivity of a cast-iron snowmobile. Apparently, she can't see Tucson from her house. The NRA is resisting all calls to consider softening their stance on clips holding huge rounds. Assault weapons can be used as legitimate hunting rifles. Okay, I mean, I can follow your line of reasoning. After all, you can use a chainsaw to cut butter. You think about it, a hand grenade will signal the end of recess, and nuclear weapons do act as nightlights for about 10 seconds before they sear your retina and incinerate your world. But the major issue here is mental health, not guns. Jared Luffner had less connection to a right-wing agenda than he did to reality, which was tenuous at best. You saw the picture of him. The guy's crazier than banana cream underwear. So yeah, tamping down the rhetoric is never a bad idea. But the only guaranteed way to prevent gun violence in a Safeway parking lot is to get rid of people, guns, or grocery store parking lots. And to be honest, we're way too attached to our guns and our cars for any of those to happen. Grocery stores, however, can always deliver. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst.
0: All right. Take a short break. Listen to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. I think in our second segment, we're going to pick up on that uh, good week four, bad week four idea and just kind of run some good ideas, bad ideas, and something maybe on occasion in between. Stay tuned.